Welcome back to another Q&A, questions in alcohol. And like we always like to say, I've got questions and they've got the stuff to talk about, some good alcohol. And we'll be joined here in just a second with John Christie, Director of Spirits for Rogue Spirits Out West. And uh, he'll be talking about what all fun things they are doing out there. But don't forget to check us out at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. You can also find us on YouTube and go to hopspirits.com to find past episodes of the Q&A, the Bar Conversations podcast, and of course, our taste test as well. Uh, but like I said, we're here to talk um, some spirits, I believe, and, and go beyond uh, Kentucky, as, as I like to say in this podcast, go beyond Kentucky, but something I think Kentuckians know very well. And John, welcome in. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Uh, you're well, talking, talking from one of my favorite places. Kentucky is where I got my uh, got my whiskey Got my whiskey bachelor's degree, basically, it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been known to do that. It did it to me. Um, I was a, pretty much a strictly craft beer guy, which you guys also have there as well on the ale side. Right. And then uh, I have slowly but surely gone into the whiskey. And it, it's so funny because uh, <clears throat> when we first moved here, my wife loved the bourbon barrel beers, things like that. And I was like, ah, now that's like what half of my beer fridge <laughs> is, along with yeah. the whiskey surrounding all of it as well. So. Um, I think Kentucky has been known to do that once or twice to folks. <laughs> yeah, did it for me for sure. They, uh, you know, getting the first time you go down to Kentucky for me it was it was about ten years ago, and you know the the culture, what I call like kind of the the bourbon trail is there, but it had not nearly gotten the volume you were seeing you see now ten years later. You know whether it's mint julep tour bus driving you around, or whether it's you know you get a chance to meet Freddie at Buffalo Trace, or you know like the. The, the kind of godfathers of, uh, and uh, godmothers of, of American whiskey are pretty much living in Kentucky now, which is, you got to go, right? You got to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you just never know who you're going to run into sometimes when, when you're out and about. But, you know, before we get into talking about kind of the whiskey you guys are, are making out, out west out there in, in uh, Newport, Oregon, uh, well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because obviously you have a nice title, Director of Spirits for Rogue Spirits, but, uh, and you mentioned you, you've been, got the whiskey bug, not you know, I'm sure before that, but you, you got your full education about a decade ago. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So I, um, you know, I kind of been living in Arizona the last 20 or so years um, down in Phoenix and Scottsdale, kind of um, got my start in the, in the bar business there, kind of running some lounges and cocktail bars and hotel bars. And then about 10 or 12 years ago, when the whiskey, when the whiskey craze started to catch on, I, I just had a, a program kind of ended up in my lap. It was like, hey, you got to build out a whiskey program. This is the way you, this is the way you compete now, you know, so I got a crash course in whiskey, like I said, about 10, 12 years ago, where, um, you know, it was really unique for me because it became sort of defined who I was in the industry. You know, it became, I became a whiskey guy, this AZ whiskey guy. That's my, that's my Instagram tag is AZ whiskey guy. And that's kind of an Arizona. That was the guy to go to when you had a question about whiskey or you needed staff education or you needed to host an event, or you just wanted to figure out what all these people were talking about when it came to whiskey. And um, for me, it was like, like everyone, it's probably, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. You know, I started just trying to get into bourbon and, and rye and being able to explain it all competently, you know, be able to train people and, and excite people about how cool whiskey was. Um, you know, the, the time machine you go through when you get into whiskey, you know, that you start something now, it's like building a cathedral. You don't ever <laughs> skip, get done usually, especially if you're dealing with scotch and such. But um, yeah, so I ended up working with whiskey and then eventually I ran a bunch of great programs there, um, a property called Old Town Whiskey. And then a I ended up taking over a craft spirits um, uh, director for uh, Young's Market, which is a distributor or wholesaler in Arizona, and they opened me up to everybody. So I was, we were selling Buffalo Trace, which was no, no one really knew Buffalo Trace at the time, you know, so we were helping to build those brands, Four Roses and Barton, and all these great, you know, McAllen and Highland Park and 
you know, Balvini. And so all these amazing whiskey uh, resources fell in my lap about seven or eight years ago. And so I got the, I got the whole, the whole thing. And it kind of, it's took off from there. Uh, did a big barrel program at a place called Gray Hen in Phoenix, where we went out and picked about a hundred barrels or so of uh, single barrel picks. So I spent about three months on the road, just distillery to distillery to distillery and, and just learning things and tasting things and building my palate. And, um, and I started to realize that, you know, the best way to drink whiskey is however you want to drink whiskey. And there's no, there's no one to tell you one way or another that, it, that you should drink it a certain way. And that, that became an easy way for me to train people to love whiskey because they became, you know, excited by my enthusiasm and, and the fact that I was not a guy standing on a, on a soapbox telling you, you should drink it this way or have it that way. It was, it was a much more collaborative experience for me. So that's that collaboration has carried over to what I'm doing now uh, with, with the Rogue team here. Um, just getting people excited about Pacific Northwest spirits, you know, and how we make them and what the culture is. And, um, you know, real quickly, I thought that if you looked back at spirits pre-prohibition, you did have regional flavors everywhere. You know, every place there was a craft distiller, we call them craft now, but they were just a guy, a guy or family with a still, you know, farmhouse that needed to get rid of extra grain or, you know, didn't want to see stuff go bad. So. Kind of connecting, getting the going back to that, I think is really kind of what I'm seeing with the whiskey craze now. As we've maxed out, you know, many brands you can find on the shelves and all the things we see out there. I, I really felt that, you know, whether it's New York State Rye or Kentucky Bourbon or Pacific Northwest Single Malt, which is what currently really what we do well up here, um, it's all got a place. And I think there's a palette for all of it. And the great thing about now is you can go pick up a bottle of Rogue whiskey in Kentucky. You can get a bottle of, you know, a great bourbon in California from, you know, a, a maker anywhere down the road. So that part's very exciting for me. And so that's kind of where I ended up here is to help building some new brands up here and get some excitement going with the Rogue stuff. Well, and I was going to say, you know, folks that that might be listening to the podcast, they might go, wait, Rogue, that sounds very familiar. And and obviously, like I, I, I joked beforehand, you know, they, they have the ale side of things and that's kind of how they got started. And you might think of Dead Guy and, and different things like that is probably what most would know about uh, across across the, the U.S. But, you know, Rogue Spirits has actually been a, around for a little while, a little longer than I thought, you know, getting launched back in the early 2000s. How, how did they get started? Why did they get kind of going in that direction and, and add that side of things to the brewery? Yeah, for sure. But we basically, we started distilling, uh, you know, in the late 80s, um, as the craft beer kind of really got going, we started brewing uh, consistently then, you know, uh, out of Southern Oregon. Um, and then in the early 2000s, in our, one of our pubs, we had a public house in Portland, where they just, they put a little still upstairs and started to try and make rum. Uh, it was just that craft mentality of like, well, why can't we make rum? You know, why can't we make spirit? And, um, you know, Rogue's kind of motto has always been dare, risk and dream. You know, and that's these are the things we kind of bring to the table every day when we make our products. Um, and that that culture started out there. And again, really took about, you know, six or seven years to kind of get going on that. We eventually ended up going down to Newport um, in about 2006, um, which is where we currently brew all our beer and distill all of our product. Um, we're right on the coast of Oregon, central coast of Oregon. Um, and that kind of culture of how we brew beer, we're still very connected to brewery. We think of ourselves as more of a craft beverage company now. Um, you're know, actually moving away from rogue spirits. It's really just going to be rogue because um, we know our brand is strong across the board because we make, you know, we obviously make a lot of beer. People know us regularly when we go out and say, oh, I didn't know rogue made spirits. Well, and we have that conversation we're having right now. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yes, rogue, rogue makes spirits and we've gotten very good at it. Um, you know, and so we're really, we're really trying to excite people about all the things we do, whether it's a canned cocktail or whether it's a great whiskey we're making with a cool pork finish or whether it's a really awesome beer, um, all of our product is very, you know, you know, down to earth and really approachable for consumers across the board. So we love, we love introducing people to our history. Um, so now we, we, 
most of our product is being, almost all of our uh, product is made and distilled and brewed. Everything is done down in Newport. Um, you know, we bottle, we bottle all our stuff. We actually have our own cooperage um, where we make our barrels called Rolling Thunder uh, Barrel Works, uh, where we're, uh, we have well, a couple gentlemen down there who just make a barrel a day, um, you know, a little bit, little bit more sometimes. But, you know, um, that culture, again, is carried over to how we do things. And, uh, and, we, and we love it. We love that being exciting people, not only the Pacific Northwest, when they come and travel and drive down the Oregon coast and you see how beautiful it is. Um, that there's a that there's a beer for you to experience that there's a whiskey for you to experience that there's a great vodka there's a great gin that's all natural and locally sourced you know those are the things we really like to talk about well and, and I was gonna say it's, it's really interesting too because I feel like the more I've d- dived into this I begin to realize how many are, are like rogue where they they are kind of now a craft beverage company and they've been that way for a while you know I, I never knew with uh, dogfish head um yeah. Uh, Ranger Creek down in Texas. Yep. I mean, there, you, you name it. There, there are a lot more than I than I can think of at, at the moment. But you know, how how closely are you guys tied? And when I th- say that, you know, the spirits and the beer side, um, you know, obviously you have Dead Guy Whiskey, Rolling Thunder, <laughs> kind of. You know, so you have some some cross branding. But I mean, does it go beyond that, or, or how tied are, are you guys? Uh, we're um, yeah. We're, we're very connected to the brewery still. I mean, the brewery basically sits across that. Yupina Bay is kind of where we where we have our facilities and the, brewer, the brewery is on one side of the bay and we're and the distillery is on the other side of the bay. Um, and basically what we're doing is we are, um, you know, we're, we're, we're taking all this, the wash we get from our beer, but when they're making beer, the Dead Guy beer, which is our flagship beer, we take that, uh, we take that wash and we use it to make our whiskey. Um, and so whether we use a barrel like a Rolling Thunder stouted beer barrel that it held, you know, Rolling Thunder stout for us, uh, then we take that and drop our dead guy whiskey into it or our, one of our single malt whiskeys. Um, you know, so we do have some variations we do, but we're very intimately involved. So like I said, we're, they're, they're brothers and sisters to us. And, you know, our beer team is very, uh, very involved in what we do. And we're very involved in what our beer team does because we are, we're ideally trying to get people who have tried Dead Guy Ale, maybe because we can get Dead Guy Ale almost everywhere. That's a brand's very well established. It's really proper. When you see our Dead Guy whiskey on a back bar, we've got that little Dead Guy, you know, a pewter top, you know, kind of like you see the whistle pig, you know, uh, boss hog top. You know, we've got a, a Dead Guy topper that looks like the, our, our classic Dead Guy. So beer drinkers can see it and recognize it and know that there's quality there and that a lot of those flavors you recognize in Dead Guy Ale have come through in our whiskey, which is really cool. I was going to say, how, how cool is that? Because I've gotten to try a few different things where people have t- turned, uh, you know, the malts or or whatever, the kind of the recipe for a beer into a whiskey. Um, and, and just, how, you know, like if someone's going to give that a try, like, are they kind of going to go, wait, I feel like this is dead guy beer, but got a little more potency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some shadow carry there for sure. Like you realize you're in the shadow of the same product. Um, again, I think that to me, the culture of being a whiskey person that, you know, that culture of taking the wash and being able to, because really, you know, we make, you know, every distiller basically makes beer right up until the moment they drop it and they're still right. So we, as we all know that, that kind of, to me is like the flavors like cocoa and vanilla and molasses that dead guy is kind of known for and the beer really gets, you know, it just, it really becomes concentrated in our whiskey. Um, and what we do special with our whiskey is we have, or for us, to me, it tastes very special, particularly with our ales too, is we're right on the ocean, we're right on the bay. So our rickhouse is unlike, you know, a Kentucky rickhouse where they're really cooking it. You know, they really want that swell going in those barrels. You know, oh, really on the Oregon coast, it stays pretty temperate. Um, you know, we've done some cool temperature and kind of uh, pressure and some humidity t- uh, samplings inside of our rick. Um, and a really very similar to Isla, you know, in Scotland, you know, so a lot of the, what I call the Hebridean coast effect or that maritime effect 
uh, really gives a salinity and a kind of a almost like a salted caramely kind of taste to our whiskeys. No matter what we make, it seems to come out that way because of the way our barrels are breathing in that salt air. And it's, it's very unique. Um, and it's something about using, making single malt. You know, Oregon has an amazing uh, agriculture, uh, you know, community. And so they provide us amazing amounts of grain um, and that are, you know, two row, uh, two row malt uh, barley that gives us very, very special flavors. It's very malleable. Um, it really seems to blend very well with the environment we make it in, um, whether it's, the, you know, the, again, you know, sometimes there's a little bit, there's, there's craft and there's art when you're making whiskey, right? And uh, sometimes <laughs> there's where that connection is, is a little blurred. Um, I find that particularly in the course of, of uh, Northwest whiskey, particularly not just us, but some of our partners up and down the coast, where you taste the whiskey and you start to realize it's really about the place and the people and the culture. Um, and that's kind of very, very clear with our dead guy whiskey, um, which is kind of cool. I was going to say, I mean, you kind of touched on it because I've had discussions with others. People kind of forget that obviously the climate can do different things to to that barrel down in Texas. It might not take four years to get a four year old whiskey taste. It yeah. might take two because it's blazing hot. Um, yeah. And then, you know, maybe up north, the, you know, with some snow and cold in the in the winter, that can obviously slow, slow things down. So you kind of touched on it. But what does that Pacific coast kind of kind of bring to it, uh, you know, in terms of, of the aging process for, for y'all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Northwest has got, it's got a pretty, well, at least on the coast, it's a pretty climate, uh, it's a pretty solid climate change. You don't see a lot of heavy change. You don't have those huge swings you see in Kentucky. So what we get is consistency. Um, like I said, a lot of salinity, I think, comes off our barrels and we're just breathing it in. Um, you know, and again, even on a really hot day on the Oregon coast, you're maybe seeing 80 degrees, you know, high 70s, you know, so it's, it's nice breeze always coming through. Um, but the Northwest in general, like I said, I think, I think we, we grow, you know, similar to getting corn in the East and getting your, you know, getting your great corn mashes out of in Kentucky or Tennessee. <clears throat> out here in the Northwest, we get a great barley mash, you know, and it just seems to really, it's got bright fruity notes that seem to come out. And then the climate just seems to exasperate that. It really brings out flavors that I, to me, as, a, as an experienced whiskey you know, consumer and, and kind of educator, I, I was fascinated by those effects I saw, not just our own product, but on some of our other competitors where I've seen just great things coming through their whiskey, and especially when you start to have a little more flexibility as far as your, because we're an American single malt, but we're not a defined category. You know, we don't have the strict rules you have in Kentucky about making bourbon or rye or Tennessee whiskey, you know, so as American single malt sort of carves out that niche, I think it's these conversations that we're having today that really explain to people why, you know, why you should try these things, why, they, why they're special, why if you love whiskey, Usually you would really find a whiskey that you could really enjoy from the Pacific Northwest because it has those flavor variations that we start bringing a pork barrel into, into play or a, a nice Pinot Noir barrel from somewhere in the Willamette Valley right up the road from us here. Um, you know, you really see flavors that, again, I think you'd have to get a lot longer in a barrel in other places to get those flavors to come out. And in the Northwest, it seemed to kind of spring out, which is amazing. I, I love to see it because it, it's something that I think, especially as someone gets maybe a little deeper into Kind of the whiskey bourbon world you know to 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 start to really dive deep into where the products come from in terms of just the grains the, the you know how the mash bill is set up everything like that and you you touched on it obviously you guys have the dead guy whiskey the rolling thunder but you you have those single malt as well and um can you talk a little bit about those because um i, I feel like that's like you said a very unique thing out, out in the pacific northwest that a, a lot of uh, a lot of you guys do and do very very well yeah, I mean, the single malt is kind of where I think you know, our, our bread and butter is as a whiskey maker here in, uh, in you know, Oregon. Uh, we've done a couple special ones. We actually just 
gotten some great awards with the San Francisco uh, Spirits Awards this year. Just came, just got announced the last couple of days. Um, you know, Rolling Thunder, our whiskey, it's uh, does got a double gold. You know, um, basically our single barrel projects, which are usually American single malts for us, um, that were that were special barrel finishing. So it's a single barrel project for us usually is taking. You know, a single malt, you know, 100% malted barley, uh, Oregon based, and we're taking it and we're aging it, um, you know, and probably one, something from our Rolling Thunder Cooperage initially, you know, something with a standard number three char. Uh, and then we're taking that that whiskey and we're secondary finishing it, which a lot of people do. And you see very commonly in Scotland, which is, you know, kind of American single malt is sort of mirroring that you can really get some great mileage out of the malt when you decide you're going to finish it in a pork barrel or a sauterne cask or whatever. Uh, we just saw one of our latest ones is an Amarone dessert wine cask from an Italian dessert wine. Absolutely delicious. Um, you know, drinks much older than it is. If you blinded someone on it, you would think you were drinking a 12 to 15 year old, you know, Scottish single malt, but it, it tastes amazing. Um, we have a single malt that was done really special for us. It's called Morimoto as a, for chef Morimoto, um, who is an iron chef. He has his restaurants around the country. And he was so excited by some of the things we were doing with our single malts that he asked to make a have us to make a single malt for him. And so we did, and it was a really fascinating one. We actually, we dried the grain with about 10% of cherry wood and alder wood when we were malting our grains. So that Oregon single, uh, that Oregon, you know, barley really just took on the cherry wood and then some of the alder wood notes. And then we distilled it, even though it was a very small percentage of the malt, it just tastes amazing. Uh, creme brulee and, and vanilla and, you know, cooked sugar and, uh, flavors you would not expect to taste if you were just saying, yeah, this is an Oregon single malt with a big blank spot in your head knowing what it tasted like. So um, I found that what we can do with Oregon single malt is so it's a very variable product. And we're, to be honest, we're just kind of getting going. Um, you know, we're just, we're hoping that the category is defined. COVID kind of put a lot of that stuff on, on hold. Um, it affected us in a lot of ways, obviously, like it did the entire world. Um, but for us, it was production issues where we were making sure we could source, still source quality product. Um, we did own our own farms at one point, road farms up until pre-COVID. We grew most of our own barley and our own uh, our botanicals, honey for our, our beers and cucumber for our gin. Uh, COVID kind of put a crimp on that, but we still have our great relationships with all of our Oregon partners. So very high quality local product that allows us to make really special spirit. Um, you know, Dead Guy Whiskey is kind of our flagship, but our single barrel projects and, and this kind of we roll forward, the things we're doing are, it gives us a lot of, uh, a lot of runway to have some really cool stuff. Uh, that is awesome to hear. And you, you kind of touched on it too. You know, you guys aren't, aren't just uh, on the spirit side. You're not just uh, the whiskey. You, you have a, a gin and a vodka and, and they're kind of unique uh, in some, some aspects, or at least maybe unique to what people would think as being some of the base uh, ingredients of them. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, for sure. We have our other two main spirits we do are a, um, a gin, um, which I consider to be a very uh, solid West Coast gin, you know, um, not juniper heavy. Uh, we're, ours is a cucumber forward gin, um, just one double gold in San Francisco a couple days ago. So we're really excited about it. It's got nine botanicals. Um, but the really special thing about that is we're using, we have a nice, we have some um, you know, really cool uh, ways of getting those flavors to come out. Uh, we use about hundred pounds of fresh cucumber every time we make our, our gin. So about hundred pounds gets hand peeled and put it in about within 48 hours of getting into the property, we get it peeled, it ends up in the still um, and we're getting these great cucumber notes from it. But we also have you know, the traditional stuff you see, ginger and orris, uh, angelica root, uh, juniper, all those things you traditionally see uh, in a great gin, uh, which makes ours very special. Uh, again, very true taste of Oregon and our vodka, which is, clean, 100% corn-based, uh, six times distilled, um, really, really fun stuff too, gluten-free, so everybody in their health issues can always be confident with it, that it's going to taste great. And we actually use those, uh, we use the vodka now as the core base for our canned cocktail line. 
Um, so allows us to keep that. Our, we call our vodka Bayfront Vodka and our gin is called Farmhouse Gin. So um, Bayfront Vodka has really got a cool story about just how we make things on the Bay and how we are really connected to our, our community in the Bay. So uh, portions of our bottles of, of Bayfront are, we go back to give back to cleaning up our, cleaning up our beaches in Southern Oregon. Um, you know, so we really are protective of our environment because we know how much that affects not only our lives, but our products, you know, so even from a pragmatic point of view, keeping having a clean bay is very important for us in our branding. And so a local, a local nonprofit called Solve does a lot of cleanup on the Oregon coast. And so we're intimately involved with them. And we actually have a beach cleanup set for a week from Saturday down there where we team members go out and we help clean the beach. And we, you know, we really get involved with our community. And, you know, Rogue is a really such a great employer here in, in the state of Oregon, uh, not just in the Pacific Northwest, but Oregon in general. Um, you know, so giving back and letting people know that our commitment to quality is not just about our product, it's about our communities as well. Well, and it sounds like, you know, obviously all those awards, uh, thing, things are going very well. And, and you also touched, you guys now have canned cocktails. That's kind of, I feel like the, the the booming side of the spirits world. And and I thought when I was looking through it, you guys, you know, everyone kind of has the, those typical flavors because, you know, obviously you want to have something that everyone can expect. But I feel like you guys kind of step it up a little bit. And I don't want to say go wild, but definitely go different than one might expect or maybe that's just a west coast thing and i'm just not used to seeing it out here in kentucky <laughs> yeah we, we've got some unique flavors again like you said canned cocktails was kind of like you know five six years ago that was a very limited thing there was not an actual canned cocktail and i think combination of the, the industry looking for new revenue streams and looking for new ways to engage with consumers or maybe weren't going to drink straight spirits or cocktails you know a canned cocktail gives a mobile opportunity and i think covid definitely sped that up and got got people drinking at home and go, Hey, I want to pick a four pack up. And what, what can I do in the time I'd be mixing a cocktail? I could just crack this great cocktail open. And they're overall, the industry has gotten much better with it. Ours are very unique. I get high quality where all of our canned cocktails are seven and a half percent. They're driven from our vodka base. So it's not a malt beverage. It's definitely vodka based. Um, so it has a cocktail note to it, but we do the classic stuff with just a little tweak on it. It makes it our rogue kind of signature. We have a great cranberry elderflower and soda. So not just a vodka cranberry, but a cranberry with a little bit of flavor to it. That would not just be the, the, the bite of cran. Uh, we've got some lemonade iced tea, which is a beautiful Arnold Palmer, just for those people who kind of want to have that Arnold Palmy kind of feel. And grapefruit and vodka sodas, which are, you know, you crack the can of our can and just get this, this nose of pith and grapefruit and really kind of fun stuff. Uh, Moscow mules or espresso martinis, or um, we have a new seasonal one coming out called a peach berry fizz, which is going to be really fun. Our cans are really sharp looking and, and well-branded and um, you know, we, we've kind of grown into it. We have some very creative people who work with us here at Rogue, not just on the production side, but in our marketing and our uh, kind of our PR teams who really give us some, some fun packaging and some fun things to play with. Um, and again, I've really enjoyed watching how people grab our canned cocktails. We're just not expecting them to taste as good as they are. And they, you know, they do. We pour them over ice. And you couldn't tell the difference if it was made or not, you know. Well, and, and like you said, it's easy to, to whether you're just wanting to get out and about, maybe maybe explore the coast or explore wherever you're at. It, it's perfect for, for on the go and you're not carrying around a whole bunch of things. And, you know, as, as I kind of get toward the end here, you know, you guys do a lot of stuff in-house and obviously the farms are, are no longer part of it, uh, but you still work locally with a, a lot of folks. I mean, you have the cooperage. Why, why are stuff like that so important to y'all to have, whether it's a connection to just you all doing it kind of in-house or at least being just not too far, far away um, from where, where y'all are located. Yeah, I, mean, I think the creativity is really in the DNA of our company. Um, you know, even before there was doing spirits, you know, the, create, the creative nature of Rogue in general, I think is carried through to our day to day. And that's kind of the people we have working around. It's why I came to work with Rogue is to, to be, you know, uh, be involved in this stage of the brand development where you're working with really cool 
um, you know, really engaged people who are passionate about what they do. Um, I think what Rogue brings to everything is we have, uh, especially with the way we make our products, is we have a very a high level of authenticity. Um, you know, there's nothing fake there. There's nothing, we're not hiding behind anything, packaging or, or a weird story that it seems made up. Ours is very authentic. We've grown, we've grown up and we've, you know, we've had good times and bad times like everything is because craft beer has risen and fallen and risen again. Um, you know, we've always been kind of doing the same thing is, you know, innovating and, and pushing the pushing the needle forward and, and making sure that people understood how we do things. We're we're about to change our bottle lineup for uh, Dead Guy Whiskey, which is very exciting for us. We're about to get a nice, more muscular bottle. It looks like the Jura bottle, I always say, uh, if you've seen those whiskey bottles, kind of that rounded shoulder bottle that will have the Dead Guy pewter on top. Because um, this is us responding to the a crowded whiskey category. But hey, we want people to recognize our products on the shelf. We want them to know they're drinking the quality rogue product. So it's having Dead Guy on top. It's having a good color splash in the label saying, this is original Dead Guy, or this is Rolling Thunder Dead Guy, or our line cast finished Dead Guy. So we've got these three new lineup uh, kind of packaging changes coming out this fall, which we're really excited about. Because that's going to give us, I think, uh, we're hoping for that national presence. We're, we're in... Uh, about 35 states right now as it is with our spirits um all 50 with our beer but the goal is to get the spirit vision out there so people ask those questions you know rogue like i said is more of a craft beverage company now as opposed to just a spirits company or a beer company and we want that integration in the, and we want people to understand our authenticity and that we really are passionate about what we do whether it's sourcing materials or giving back to our community or keeping our beaches clean or you know, being involved with uh, you know uh, young people as they come up and want to intern in, the, in a place that's really kind of fun and exciting. Um, you know, we think that's all part of why we make great products. So you can't take one away or add one to the other. I think it's all kind of a you know it's a synergy that we have that really is it's very special. Again, that's why I, I wanted to come to work up here in Portland and, and wanted to be part of uh, this community. Well, and like you said, you got some some really cool things that are are going on up there, and and folks that you know like me that have gone kind of from the beer side, still in the beer world, but also love the bourbon and whiskey. It's kind of the perfect marriage because you get to try something that you go, I kind of know what that is, and you kind of have that easier step in, and and they can go to rogue.com and find you guys on social media for more info. But you kind of touched on it. Obviously, kind of got a maybe I don't want to call it a rebrand, but a, a, maybe a refresh on the bottle. Anything yep. else fun coming this year for for y'all that you're allowed to say on the recording that you're allowed to say? Yeah, I mean, like I said, <laughs> I don't get you in again, we're we're really happy about the new bottles coming out and getting people introduced to Rolling Thunder as a, as a barrel finish. Um, we've done very well with that with that product in the past. Um, that's the fun one. Um, some special releases. Keep an eye out for those single barrel projects. Our goal is to start. You know, we're in that stage of our whiskey development now. Where we're finally getting enough barrels. You know, we're, we're, we're you know how it is to make whiskey. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know it's uh, it's a huge investment in time and money, and the two of them are tied together. So you're making a bet on the future when you lay down whiskey. You know, whether you're in Kentucky or in Oregon. Um, you know, so it's kind of like why well, you can't find a lot of Pappy 23 around, right? You, 23 years ago, no one really cared, you know, so the distilleries were not, you couldn't find old rye, you know, for a lot of times until about 10 years ago, distillers started realizing, hey, we can distill rye more than once a month and, and actually sell it now. Um, that's kind of where we're going with our special projects and moving forward is now we've got, we've got a good, a good runway to see that we're going to be around and we're going to keep making spirits the right way. Uh, so we can invest more in our own business and invest more in what we're doing. And it's like, whether it's a new canned cocktail line or whether it's a new bottle for our dead guy or whether it's getting into some countries that have never had us before, or some states that never had us before, um, we want to introduce the best products we have. And often it's like we're leading with our single barrel projects or our special bottles or our straight dead guy whiskey, which people just love when we bring it out. Um, the older, we'll start seeing some age statements get a little bit older, hopefully, and we'll, uh, as everyone does, you know, start really seeing, like I said, some special things that we can 
I probably can't talk about them all right now in the recording, but we can, you can keep an eye on rogue, uh, uh, rogue.com and see what we're doing and, uh, and kind of staying engaged with us that way. Again, we have a very fun company. Um, I can't stress that enough. It's, uh, you know, dare risk dream is our motto. And we really, uh, we would relive that every day, whether we're making the whiskey or whether we're selling it or whether we're talking to people at a bar, it's, it's all about, it's all tied together for us. So we're really just happy people. We're here and we're still in the, all the uncertain world we live in that we can still make great American single malt and great products, you know? Uh, absolutely. And, and I, I love to hear that. And it sounds like some fun things and uh, great tease. Cause it's just uh, another reason to, to keep a, a lookout, follow you guys on social media and go to rogue.com for, for more info, John, this was, was a blast. And I appreciate you sharing the story of rogue and, and the exciting things you guys have uh, coming in the future. Awesome. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing, man. This is how we spread the word. This is, this is the stuff right here. I appreciate it.